Good morning. So uh, as you can see uh, this morning, uh, I'm representing right here, right? So uh, that was, uh, if you don't know what in the world we're talking about, it's a basketball and uh, ACU beat Texas uh, by one point and uh, it was great. If you didn't get to see it, too bad, it was great. Um, and so yes, I did stay up last night. I meant to go to bed early, but it just didn't happen for a good reason. All right, so we have been, uh, by the way, if you're visiting here this morning, we are glad that you're here, um, and we'd love to get to know you. If you're in this community or if you're just passing through, either way, uh, we really want to be family uh, on, on either way, right? If you're here, we want to, to serve you and walk beside you in any way that, that you need, uh, and if you're just passing through, we want to get to know you as well and uh, have this be a home away from home. Um, and so we have been um, in a series uh, called the Psalms of Ascent. It's basically the songs in which the Israelites, the Jewish nation, would sing on the way to Jerusalem. Uh, There's three main uh, Jewish festivals that they uh, celebrated, and so they sang these songs. Um, and so we've been going through a series. And so I'm excited to uh, walk through, and if you have your Bibles, Uh, or your devices, uh, open up or turn to uh, Psalm 130. That's where we're going to be spending some time. So actually, as we've been talking about this, these journeys, saying uh, on these journeys, I thought about uh, one particular journey that I took, um, and it was actually a 24-hour trip that I got to take with my brother. And so we actually, um, and this was probably a week before, uh, this is my brother and I, middle older brother, and, um, and it, might have, it was a few years ago, by the way, and, uh, and we uh, jumped in his Geo Metro, and uh, if you've never heard of a Geo Metro, there's a reason why, because uh, it was uh, not very great, especially for a 24-hour trip. He packed everything that he had, and he was moving to California, packed it up, and, uh, and we took off. Well, the only thing that I believe that we forgot was uh, a variety of music, and so we had one cassette tape. And maybe those of you that, I don't know, have you ever seen a cassette tape? That's what they look like. Um, and so this might be a little of a history lesson, I don't know. Um, but they also, the majority of the time, they played them on um, a cassette tape player. Another name for that would be a boombox, right? Uh, what a great name. Have it on your shoulder. We're in good business, right? Okay, so we had one of these. And we spent 24 hours listening basically to one cassette tape, and this is what it was. It was the greatest hits of <laughs> air supply. So why two dudes traveled 24 hours listening to uh, air supply, I'm not too sure. If you haven't heard of air supply, good. That's, that's okay, you're in good business. If, if you love air supply, uh, we have counseling services available. You. No, I'm just kidding. I got in trouble the first service saying that somebody really loves air supply. Obviously, somebody in our family likes air supply. I remember these songs still to this day, burned in my brain, because uh, we spent so much time doing this. And can you imagine all the Jewish nation, the kids growing up, uh, listening to all these songs basically being uh, sung to each other and then uh, participating later on as each time they would celebrate a festival. 
And so I, I want us to, to jump right in. Uh, Psalms 130 has eight verses, and it is powerful. It is straight to the point. There's truth. And so let's, let's read God's word. Verse 1 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. Verse 8. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So one, Psalm 130 is profound and is relevant and right for where we're at. So it starts out with, out of the depths I cry to you. And you might say, Sean, um, man, I'm still, still hanging on to you know, the coffee that I just had. I'm not too sure that I'm ready for the intensity of this language. But here we go. Because there are parts of us, when things, when we feel like this, there are parts of us that want to run and hide when things get too intense or overwhelming. There's parts of us that want to hide through our addictions and even our obsessions. There are parts of us that want to hide behind our control, and we want to control everything, every detail, because we feel like everything else is out of control. And when you come to these moments, it might feel like uh, the pain of the past is creeping forward. And it might be a current situation that you're going through and that you're crying out of the depths. So Psalm 130 is most definitely talking to us in troubled times. It's a song about that starts out from the depths, there, there's, a, there's such a significant aspect here about where we are and how we feel. It speaks of the painful aspect of our human experience. When we say to ourselves, I'm in trouble, or you might say, I'm in trouble and it's my fault, or surely it's my fault, because I'm the one who caused it. So we're not only dealing with those emotions, that despair, that difficulty, but that's also where we're finding a little bit of guilt, right? There's a flavor of guilt in that. So if, if we're even religious or if we've gone to church, we might even find ourselves saying, God must be punishing me for what happened or what I did. And we find ourselves in a self-help world, Right? Um, we pretty much have a self-help book or a, even a self-diagnosis. Uh, that's, that's where we land. We go to Google. We put in our you know, criteria. We put in what's going on in my world, and I come up with something. And so we live in a world in which we have a book on everything to get us past anything. And if you ever wonder, if you ever wonder why I became a counselor, you're talking about one of my favorite phrases, all behavior makes sense in context. Um, is because when I was in high school, guess what book my mom and dad gave me? You would think there's lots of great books out there, but they gave me 
codependent no more. <laughs> so of all the books, and you wonder why I'm a counselor. But there is something about everything, and they can be helpful resources, not taken away from that, but there is nothing, absolutely nothing that can replace the truth of God's word. Absolutely nothing. So here we are, out of the depths, I, have I cried to you, that I cried to you, God. And so we find ourselves talking about these spots in our life that we are at rock bottom. You might have experienced that, you might be there right now. And so this is a message for you, or can be at one point in your life. And I love how uh, Eugene Peterson in, uh, in the message, one of the translations that's out there, and he says these simple words. He says, help, God. The bottom line, the bottom has fallen out of my life. So whether the problem is financial, it's an illness, it's relational, or some intense loss that you're going through, you find yourself in a deep and personal pain. And maybe it's a pain of a breakup of a marriage. Maybe it's a conflict with your children. Maybe it's a conflict with your parents. Maybe it's an unexpected diagnosis. Maybe it's even a mental illness. Perhaps it's multiple things. And you just can't find relief. Have you found yourself there before? This is a psalm for you. There's one good thing. There's not many, but there's one good thing about hitting the bottom, is that the only way is back up. And when we reach the end of ourselves, when we reach the end of ourselves, we reach up to God. This is the cry that the Lord hears when we're authentic, when we're real, when there's nothing else, there's no barriers, there's no mask, and he hears us, our heart, my heart. And I wonder what depths you're experiencing that are causing you to cry out. And how does the, the, the writer of Psalms 130, how does he deal with this experience? What does he have to say about God? What does he have to say about finding hope in the, in the depth of despair? The writer arrives at what seems to be a blindingly obvious, but it, it's surprising how many of us don't get it without some help. We don't see it without some help. Simply this, if God was out for us, there'd be no one left standing, which we begin to hear this in verse three and four. If you keep, Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, but you can with reverence serve you. We tend to think of sinners as these big things out there, those big things that people do. And we characterize different sins and then we say, well, at least I'm not, we begin to justify and say, at least I'm not doing that. And I think we need to be careful of our selective definition of sin. Because Romans 3 says, because we all find ourselves at the same spot, Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's pretty much 
the, the New Testament way of saying Psalms 130. That's the first thing the psalmist reflects on is everyone is a sinner. So whatever else my troubles might be, they can't be God's punishment because if they were, none of us would be standing. None of us would be able to face that. If you, Lord, keep a record of wrongs, a record of sins, who could stand? It's one of the most important questions because of what it leads to in our life. The whole Psalms that we've been reading and studying about are all about drawing closer to God. Can you imagine as as they traveled uh, down this journey, however long it took them, that they kept this reminder of these songs over and over which drew them closer and closer to the Creator. And one of the things we learn in our Christian walk is that the closer we come to God, the more aware we become of our sin, which is uncomfortable, by the way, and the more aware that we become of the depths of our sin, therefore we become more aware of the great need of God's mercy and forgiveness. But with you, verse 4, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I want to spend just a moment on this idea of forgiveness because this is foundational to who we are and what we celebrate this morning. So forgiveness of all people, we that believe in Jesus, don't need to doubt about this. Because over and over, Jesus met people who were in despair over guilt. Something they were doing, they were in despair. They were desperate because of their guilt. And Jesus assured them of God's forgiveness over and over and over. He reached out to people who considered, who were considered the worst of the sinners, right? We often hear about tax collectors. By the way, it doesn't sound really bad here, but man, they were not on the favorite list of most people in that culture. And he found, Jesus found himself and invited himself into the homes of the greatest sinners. It's interesting that the word here is translated um, into God forgiving us. It's not us forgiving others, right? It's a little bit of a a variation. This, I guess, in essence, could be uh, called divine forgiveness rather than human forgiveness. In other words, divine forgiveness is this, we could even describe it as the forgiveness. And we live in the forgiveness, You could even translate it as uh, the real forgiveness. Because not that human forgiveness isn't important. It is very, it's vital. We see Paul talking about that throughout his letters. But here, without God's forgiveness, we are completely and totally lost. So divine forgiveness is an act of God's mercy that removes the record of sin can't imagine if, if I were to come here and put all my record of sins in this room, could I stand? Could I even be in this room? What would that be for me? Could not even imagine that. And Jesus says, no more. No more. I love Psalms 103. 
The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, as far as he removed our transgressions from us. Even Hebrews 10 verse 17 says, their sins and lawless acts I will remember. What? No more. What a beautiful picture. It's not that God somehow forgets what we've done. This is not the case of divine amnesia. Rather, it's God not keeping a record as a sense of judgment. In fact, the New Testament tells us, rather than speaking against us, for us uh, that Jesus speaks for us in our sins. He says in, in 1 John 2, 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. If you're in Christ, Jesus is your advocate. He's not the prosecuting attorney. He's the defense attorney. If God kept a record of sins, who could stand? If God kept a record of your sins, could you stand? I love how Samuel Cox, he has this, this quote, says, God shows this mercy, not that men may think lightly of sin, but they may, that they may magnify his compassion and pay him the reverence due to his name. We have seen that God is the God of forgiveness, bottom line. God is of steadfast love. God is the one who rescues me from the sins that bind me. Verse 5 and 6 says, and this is where it gets difficult because it calls us, it says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than a watchman waits for the morning, more than a watchman waits for the morning. And I begin to wonder how good we are at waiting. So, of course, what did I do? I got on Google and I said, what are we, what kind of things do we wait on? And so, man, there's a lot of lists out there. Didn't really anticipate that. I picked four things. So, if you're at a a stoplight and, and the green light and it turns green, and the car just sits there in front of you, how long do you think that we wait? It says that we usually wait 50 seconds. I'm not going to ask for hands of like who actually waits 50 seconds, but I'm not too sure that we could uh, say we sit there for 50 seconds. We have a difficulty time, difficult time waiting. Uh, second one is people to, that we wait for people to stop talking in a movie. It says that we wait a, mi- a minute and 52 seconds. Now, how in the world they came up with a minute and 52 seconds? I don't know. But again, I, I would, it would be interesting to see that in, in us. Third is waiting for your significant other to get ready. Uh, it says 21 minutes, that we can wait for 21 minutes. And I'm going to stay away from that one completely. (laughs) Fourth one is waiting in line at Starbucks. It says that we wait typically seven minutes. But in verse five, so all of a sudden that we kind of, that illustrates 
We're not really good at waiting, by the way. Verse 5, it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. So don't, and this is also something because we find ourselves, part of the difficulty in waiting is we find ourselves having these feelings or we don't like the circumstances. And I wonder how difficult it is that when I don't like my current situation, especially how I'm feeling in the moment, that I automatically begin to look for circumstantial relief rather than leaning into and living into eternal solutions. I want that relief. But what the psalmist is calling us to do is wait, not for the circumstance to change, but wait for the Lord. At times, we have difficulty not in the counseling world I hear this phrase, I'm just using this as an example of, of many that we could, is sometimes I hear, um, I don't feel, in a marriage, I don't feel in love with my spouse. And there's been multiple years of disconnect and arguing and conflict, and I often say, and? Because I don't anticipate that if you're not proactive in something, you're not going to have the result of that. But we want the immediate relief. And what I often come back to is where are you with the Lord? Because where patience and where waiting can happen is a hope beyond my circumstance only in the Lord. You might even say, Sean, I've been grieving and I don't feel like this pain will ever leave me. It won't leave me alone. You might even say, Sean, I haven't been able to pay my bills. And I feel like this is just my life. It's the depths. Hope that those eventually line up, but we're never promised to be out. I'm even reminded of John chapter, uh, James chapter one. Consider pure joy when we go through trials of many kinds. It doesn't say the joy comes when we're out of the trials. But God has set up a perfect plan through Christ, undeniable love. And we have, because it tends to be one of our favorite, because we gain a lot of hope from this, is for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When you have been given the forgiveness of Christ in Christ, you have a future. You can have confidence that God is there. And he will be there. Your hope is in God's word. Now we have come in, in Psalms 130, which is all about who God is, the character of God, where we're at, and the character of who he is. And I want to see three things. I want us to look at three things that, that we find here. The first part is waiting on the Lord is to cry out for, for him, to him for mercy. The second part is to wait for the Lord expectantly. 
And third is to simply put your hope in the Lord. I like self-help books, but I don't really see a whole lot of self-help here. This is dependent and contingent on somebody else, Jesus. This is honest, this is realistic, this is real, and I hope you hear what God is saying here in this. In verse 7 and 8, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full of redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. The psalmist is still in a waiting mood, and he he begins to alter this a little bit, and he begins to talk to the Israelite nation, and he says, come along, come on, the hope is good. With the Lord, there is unfailing love. With the Lord, and I love this phrase, because we could, it could have just said redemption, by the way, but it said full redemption. And with him, redeem Israel from all their sins. We read Ephesians 1 verse 7. It says, in him Christ, uh, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in uh, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I love Ephesians 1. If you have time, read that because that is so much about our identity in him. If you're ever who am I, who's am I, read Ephesians 1. It will let you know that, man, you are adopted, you are chosen, you are forgiven, you are redeemed. And we see a picture of that today. So don't be, a, don't be afraid. This is kind of the calling right now. Don't be afraid because God has great grace. Because do you have great sin? Do you feel like or have you ever said that God can meet me here? God has great grace. He has full, lavish, overflowing grace that is greater than any sin that you can come up with. Romans 5.20 says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. You can never out God's grace. Did you, did you hear that? You can never out God's grace. Even when you're in the depths of your sin, when you are down at the bottom and you might be there or you might in the future be there, you might have been, been there in the past, but you will never be out of the reach of God's redemption. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its in, um, sins, brokenness, The challenge for us is to bring the depths to him. He can handle it because he has his forgiveness. He's given us his forgiveness. He's redeemed. He's in the redemption business, by the way. And he rescues his people from hopeless situations. So joy is one of those things that automatically jumps in there for me. When I begin to see the truth of what God set here in Psalm 130, joy, which again, if we refer back to James 1, is not in circumstances, is joy of the Lord, right? So this joy, and I was trying to figure out how in the world we could demonstrate this. And a couple of weeks ago, the Brinkers, uh, Jason and Sarah Brinker, uh, showed um, a quick video of, of Quentin, which we call Q here. And uh, I, I want you um, 
illustration of joy, and then I have one more message after this, and then we'll go. And I tell you, that, that was, it was a whopper too, wasn't it? <laughs> it didn't matter because that, that little man was excited and joyful, overwhelmed. And, and so uh, actually, um, Jason came up and he said, I don't know if you noticed that he actually went up to the fish and went like this, like uh, something like a gotcha or something like that. <laughs> he was excited. Boy, when I saw that, I was like, man, that is pure and unadulterated joy right there, right? And, and so it, it's kind of interesting when we come to this place where we really realize and see what God has done for us, it's that joy that we need to begin to see and experience, the joy of the Lord. And then what did, what did Q do next? He said, hey, you guys need to, dude, come on over and see my fish. And when we experience the forgiveness and redemption in the purity of love in Jesus, we need to say, come on, there's nothing better. So as the last thing I'm gonna do, I wanna pray, and if there is something that you are going through, that you feel currently that you're in the depths, that you are at rock bottom, I want you to know that we're, we're ready to, to walk you we're going to have some of the ministers and the elders and wives back there in, in the Welcome Center. We're going to be ready to walk beside you. If you're online and you find yourself alone and you don't know what to do, reach out to us. We want to pray. We want to, to be a family to you. Let us know. So let's pray. God, it's pretty unbelievable what you have set up here and we, what we see in Psalm 130. It's a series of songs that, that the Israelites would sing over and over as a reminder of the goodness and the character of who you are, God. And we're, we're, we are reminded this morning that when we are in the depths, that's not where it ends. That's actually where it starts. And where it ends is we are redeemed. We have redemption. We have that sin that's taken away. There's nothing too great for you, God. And there might be some that are in that place, in this place, that's experiencing and feeling this. God, I pray that your hope finds them, that the hope that is in you, the hope that, that can wipe away anything that this world can offer, because our hope is in heaven. Our hope is in eternity. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that works mighty. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.